Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is Rowena Cross. Now, listeners who have probably been listening to the podcast for over a year will have heard Rowena last Christmas on the podcast talking about her journey and a a Christmas message. So I thought, who better to have on to give us a second Christmas message on the podcast and chat a bit more than Rowena again. So welcome to the podcast, Rowena. How are you? I'm okay, thank you. Was it last Christmas that we did that? I'm obviously the Christmas bauble. I'm I'm looking more like that shape as I get older. Menopause has turned me into a bauble um, with maybe a little bit less sparkle. Um, but yeah, obviously I am the crystal Christmas bauble you have to get out every year. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, yeah, just before Christmas, the podcast episode that came out. Back then you were in Malibu. We should probably, maybe can you sum up, bef- the, it'd be hard to sum up because it was sort of, it's quite detailed, but if people haven't listened to that podcast one they should but two could you maybe just fill them in on why you ended up in Malibu and then we can kind of go from there with this podcast well it's the really simple short answer is that God told us to go there and it sounds a bit fake it's Malibu sounds you know woo, it's like what you know when when we when we heard that God was calling us to California my initial response was well that's better than Iraq you know, it was, it does sound fancy, but there was a spiritual darkness I have not experienced until I moved to California. That is happening over there. Not dissimilar to like it is in the UK, but I had not, I had just not physically felt it. I physically felt the change in atmosphere when I went there. So God called us to go there. So we went, you know, excited and we were going there. My husband had a job to plant a church that were to replant the church there. So that's what we did. That's why we went. And how long were you there until, you know, what happened happened? We were there kind of two months or three months and then the pandemic started. So we had the whole pandemic to plant the church. It was like when you're not really supposed to be out but you know what I have learned because I was ill the whole time I was there um which I've now realized having been where I am now and our first gift back to the UK was COVID (laughs) I realized it was my second time and so actually what I've been you know what my poor body has been through in the last two years has actually probably been long COVID so it kind of was like a weight off to discover that because the doctors were like that's what they started to talk about they're like we're wondering if you had COVID so um yeah so we were there in total two years um most of which was the pandemic yeah I think we had two months we arrived in November and the p- pandemic kind of that they started talking about it in January yeah but it didn't really and then lockdown happened in March so yeah and so sort of, did you enjoy living over there? Obviously, um, your daughter remained in 
the UK to finish her studies, which again with the pandemic, she would have never got over to Malibu, would she? She came, so she, praise God, we moved in November and she came four weeks later for Christmas. So she had two weeks in in Malibu with us, which was amazing Christmas. Very different when it's hot. Yeah. And it's not, it's their winter. They're all wearing like bobble hats and we're still in our shorts going, what is wrong with you? This is a British summer. <laughs> so it's very odd. Um, and then, yeah, we didn't see her for 18 months, which was the hardest part of, of the whole thing. And she found it hard, we found it hard. Um, but we said we'd leave when Jesus told us to. And so Bella did get a chance to come back out in the summer when they um, lowered the restrictions. We came to the UK and kind of got her and then we had to go via another country. It was all very complicated. But she ended up coming for three four weeks in the summer um, just before, um, but she, unbeknown to her, she flew home unbeknown to us when God was saying, calling us away. He kind of meant now and he didn't mean next year or you know so yeah so she did get to come back and see it but the best thing about being there you asked if I enjoyed it I think mission is hard and you enjoy all of it because you're working for Jesus but when you're working for Jesus it is accompanied often by hardship and it can be lonely um you know, illness in my case, you only have to read the Bible to know that the people who served Jesus struggled the most. And I think for us, we had, you know, when we were in London, we led the church there and oh, it was just the best. It was like a big, messy church full of, you know, broken people coming to Jesus every week. It was just beautiful. We, we loved it, but it comes at a cost. And I think what God was doing with us in America was also allowing us to, to, to heal and get over the, the cost of ministry. Um, and so the people were my favorite thing. The people in our church, oh, we cried buckets when we had to leave again. And I think if you don't cry when you leave, you didn't love. Mm. You know, you're supposed to love. Jesus this says, go and love. And we went and loved and we were loved we were very well loved by that church in a way that, yeah, was just blew our minds. And so it was hard to leave, very hard to leave them. And, and how was God talking to you? Sort of what were the signs or the words that you got telling you to move? And, and like, what was going through your head when you, you know, because sometimes you get those thoughts and then you're sort of like, is that you, God? Is that me? Like, what was that whole situation like well that's such a good question Lucy because people used to say that in fact when I did Esther ministry when you were there you heard me do that story about you know when we went on the retreat and it was like he told us we had to listen to God and I was sat there doing my shopping list and my brain was wandering then I started singing in my head and then people would come back and go oh Jesus gave me a heart and I knew and I'd be like I'm really well done I'm so pleased to be whilst sat there going I have no idea what you're talking about. But obviously God is lovely. And what does he do? So I went while I was there. One of the things I did was School of Prophets. And I never would have done that before. And effectively went and found my tribe. I found why I walk into a room and feel weird. 
why I'm saying things that other people aren't saying, you know, and what they taught me is there are actually quite a few ways that we listen, we hear from God. I don't walk into a room and see a massive vision or hear this thundering because in my head, God's voice is a bit like uh, Morgan Freeman. That's how I've decided, you know, I think it's probably because of Bruce Almighty or whatever that and, and yeah, he was played, yeah. God was played by him. I think that's just the kind of like loving fatherly voice I decided it was. But for some of us, and for me, I discovered I was a, a no person, as in K-N-O-W. So I would walk into a room and just know what the, the answer was. I would walk into a situation and just know. That's not because I'm really clever or because I have, a, it was so obvious to me. So I'd speak it out and people would go, whoa, how did you know that? And I was like, that's God. So they were training us whether we are seers. So you might see it in your mind. You might hear a voice or you might be a feelings person. So God uses that and he, you're a feel person. So you will feel you know what the right thing is to do. Now, I am not explaining it correctly at all, but understanding how I heard God's voice. I also, there isn't really a shortcut to learning it. Uh, being ill, I couldn't physically move, which I know you can totally relate to. I had a lot more time just sitting at God's feet. Now, I also watched The Real Housewives, don't get me wrong. I which, did, you know. Which Real Housewives? You don't have a long enough podcast to explain, but I, I, lo I love the Beverly Hills, Orange County, you know. I was in there watching those two. Those two are the ones I, I kind of like. Can you throw on a side note, just, just a housewife side note, because I'm also obsessed. Beverly Hills, I watched in the first lockdown, series one to whatever it is. And then in the, like, in the second lockdown, I went from the recent series back. And then I sort of got invested in Salt Lake City. That's a good one. And the, the ultimate girls trip that's just come out, that is also a really good one. But it's just... It's it's terrible, isn't it? If you think about it, but it, it's just there's just lucky to, or in some ways where they live, born in the right place, I guess. But yeah, it's just really good brain numbing TV. That's exactly what it is. However, it's not good for your soul. This no. is what I've discovered. You know, when I look at that or the Kardashians or whatever, these people, a lot of these people knew Jesus to start with, and. The more rich, the more financially rich they've got, and the more well-known they've got, the more unhappy they have become. So now I look at these programs when I'm watching them, and God has completely changed my vision. Now I'm looking at them, and I feel deeply sad. I literally feel deeply sad. Whereas before, I was like, oh, that's a nice house. You know, <laughs> and they are nice houses, but none of that's stuff has made them happy mm. and so I just I think I watch them out of habits probably not a good idea um and there's something I am eking you know trying to get I just I'm watching less and less of but I spent more time at the feet of God which is something I don't I'm not a natural sit still prayer I was just like oh that's not my gift I'm not going to do it Oh my goodness, when I started to learn what it means, where you literally just sit, you go past all that shopping list, your worries and all the rest of it into just, I found using, um, you know, very still music that has no words. If you Google Holy Spirit 
music. So, there's so much music in there that's been done by Christians that just takes you into the presence of God instantly. I, it's so it's such a gift, whoever it is that that's the purpose. So you sometimes you'll recognize a tune and I'll find myself singing along, but mainly it just blocks out my busy brain and allows me to just focus. It's my way of saying to God, this music is on, I'm reading my Bible or I'm sitting still. I open a book ready with a pen in my hand, speak Lord. It's that bit, speak Lord, your servant is listening. That's what um, Elijah told, was it Elijah? Now I'm showing my, it was when, you know, when he wakes up and he mm -hmm. kept going and he kept going to him and saying, he kept hearing a voice and he go, yes, was it in Samuel? And it doesn't matter. I shouldn't have started that now. I'm just showing that I can't remember. I get the Bible characters mixed up. But basically he tells him in the end, he realizes it's God speaking to him. So he says, go back to bed. And if you hear that, that sound again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Mm. But that's what I say. You think, right, well, you know, he taught him to do that. I'm going to do that. So for us, it was a kind of, I just knew, I, I just knew in my soul that our time was coming to an end. But we did that man-made thing and tried to, we went, oh, you must mean next year. I've got a child who will be in year 11. Who moves back to the UK with a child in year 11? You know, the man-made things that we try and do, that, that there were no financially good reasons to move back. You know, he's in a job, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Who does that? But God made it very clear. He meant now. And we sat, and you have to sit and intentionally ask. So we sat and intentionally asked, and we wrote down everything that we heard. We um, both had Christian counselors. I would always recommend that Christians have a Christian counselor, someone you can go and, you know, if you're leading any kind of ministry, you should have someone you can go and bounce the ideas off who is wise and is, you know, going to listen and help you to move forward. So she said the same. She gave us a really clever task to do. She got us to sit down in silence and ask God, why did you send us here? And write down the list that he gave us. When we wrote that list down, we realized we'd done it all. It was done. Oh, wow. That was really powerful because you're like, okay, well, if that's what you asked us to do. And interestingly, Ron's words were all doing words. So it was replant the church, establish the church. Mine were all heal break chains off you, hone you, prepare you. They were, they were no, the only doing word that was in there was write a book, which I'd already done. So when you looked at the list, you're like, oh, that's why we're feeling restless. Because we were feeling restless, but we didn't know why. We're like, we've only been here two years. We love these people. Yeah. He said, go now. And he spoke to us through that Bible verse that is, when Jesus sends out the 72, he says, you know, we've all read that Bible verse where he says, go and take nothing with you. The line I hadn't seen before is where Jesus in amongst that says, I'm sending you ahead of where I am going. The minute he said that, I'm like, if he's going there, because he said, go to Georgetown. Georgetown is a tiny village in the UK where we found our faith. And he said, go back there. And we're like, uh, really so all, all our friends living around there so we were we were like okay he's like I want you to go now and I'll tell you why when you go so there was a part we had to play a part in that journey we had to step out before we went but if 
where as soon as I read that line, I thought, if you're about to go there, G, I want to be part of that. I'm going. So we sold everything we had. We brought nine boxes home with us. Half of them got smashed up. And we came with no job, no home, nothing. We came for him. And we that's the bravest thing we've ever done. Because before we, we've gone, we, you know, we've moved all around the place for Jesus. But to move without the job lined up and all the ducks in a row like we like. So was, when, when you left Malibu, from when you got told to go, um, what was that time period? Because pra- six, six weeks. Six weeks. Because as Christians, you go, look at it, I can see, I can see Lucy's beautiful face. You can't see it on the podcast, but she she kind of was like, oh, six weeks. And I can almost hear the panic in anyone who listens. Because the idea of it being six weeks and not, oh, you're going to give me six months. There's got to be a plan. There's got to be peace. Oh, no. Because God's time is outside time. If he tells you to go now, he means now. And you don't need to always know why. Mm. We're called to be faithful to what God asks us to do. And yes, you might go somewhere and struggle and to the world look like you failed. But to God, you didn't because you you listened, you discerned. Discernment is hugely important. And then you went, you know. Mm-hmm. And so for us, we were more scared of staying. And to be fair, we kind of felt God said, well, if you want to stay a little bit longer, that's okay with me too. But I'm asking you to go now. We were more afraid of being disobedient to God than looking idiots in the world and so yeah practically for the church you planted in Malibu sort of I don't know does a vicar have to give notice period and like find another one or how does that work for them well it we were planting an Anglican church of the fashion if you like it's in America it's part of the ACNA in America, you don't have to give notice. They don't have to give you notice. You don't have to, it's terrible, in my humble opinion, not good laws. Over here, if you're a vicar, you would probably give, I, I can't remember what the, if there's a legal requirement, but generally vicars give three months notice, you know, sometimes a little bit less. Um, if you're Nicky Gumble, he's just given nine months notice. So he's given them lots of time. And they've looked for the person because, you know, that's a good way to do things because then the church isn't left with this kind of hole in the middle. Um, So we gave the church seven, I think it was seven weeks notice so that they, you know, could with Ron discern what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Um, And somebody stepped in in the interim, which is often what happens. We knew if God is telling you to go, there's someone waiting in the wings, his wings, that is waiting to come in. Yeah. It's not for us to discern who that is. When your time is over, more churches are brought down by vicars outstaying their anointed time Mm. than than if, if you leave. You leaving is if you've been pointing people to Jesus and not yourself then they are going to be safe in his arms. And we trusted God with that church that he will continue to, it's been growing massively through the pandemic. 
They have a hunger for the word and spirit. He will continue to do that. If you go outside God's remit, then that's why I personally, that's why I believe churches start to, 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 to die off is because somewhere, somehow, we've kind of gone out the rule. Or, like the pandemic, God started shifting and sifting the sheep from the goats. And so you can have a teeny tiny church doing power ministry for God and a mass church having no effect at all. Size of church is not down to, which slightly sounds like I'm contradicting myself. I'm not. I think if your congregation is dwindling, 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 and the church is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and there's like three people left, you have to sit down and ask yourself, are we the remnant or is God us? Is, is, is our time up? Mm. Only God can answer that question. I can't. Um, so, yeah, so the way we ask God, you know, obviously it's terrifying doing that. So we wanted to be really, really sure. God showed us in many ways. So I'll give you some practical ways because people love the practical things. So we had just signed, we hadn't signed it, but we just paid a deposit for a new apartment for 10 months. That was worth $35,000. And we're like, Lord, we can't leave if we have to pay that from the UK. What do we do? And he went, just go and speak to them. So we went to this lady and just said, look, God's calling us home. And she went, oh, it happens. Here's your deposit. Thanks. That never happens in LA. So that was that gone. Then we're like, Lord, but what about the car? We leased the car. We've still got time left on our lease. And we rang up the lease company and I went, sure, you can get out of it as long as you give us five and a half grand. And we're like, five and a half grand. The very next day, random man rings me and says, he's nothing to do with the people we just spoke to. He just says, there's a worldwide shortage of the car that you have. I will buy you out of your lease if you'll give it to us. And we were like, this, we're like, God, is that you? We're like, this is this got to be dodgy. This is weird. Drove it. It was a BW dealership where they explained to us that usually they have 300 cars on the lot and they only had 70 because no one can get new cars for months and months and months because of whatever. Now, they're buying secondhand cars. So they took up, they said, we would never usually buy a lease this big, but they did. So we literally handed the key over. They wrote off our debt. Done. And we're like, seriously. Then we got a tax bill. And we were like, oh my goodness, this wasn't what we were expecting. Our accountant had told us it would be a lot, lot less. So we went to a man whose name was Gabriel, by the way, clues in the name. And um, he, uh, just to get this, we had to get a bit of paperwork done that he had to do. And he said, do you know what? I don't think your tax bill's right. I'm going to, can I ring your accountant? So he did. Accountant emailed us about two hours later saying, I've totally made a mistake. Please forgive me. Lovely Christian man. I've halved my fee. Your bill is now $50. And we were like, so in one day or two days, God had wiped out more than $50,000 worth of perfectly normal living expenses. So we, from that moment on, we were just like, we're in your, right, we're in the, we're doing the right thing because God opened doors, he shut doors and he showed us, I'm making it easy for you to leave, you know, rather than, does that help? <laughs> wow. I'm totally like blown away by that. And what's weird is when you talk, when you were talking, then you've got like just around your face, like 
like a bit of a glow. Now that's probably the lights in either your room or my room, but you've got like a little glow that keeps like, I don't know, it just looks very angelic and meaningful. Aww. So I was like, oh, that's nice. I love it. I'm, <laughs> um, I'm taking that. <laughs> yeah. But those are the kind of things that if you only operate in your own strength, then you miss out on God is God of the universe. You think he can't get rid of a car you've got on lease or he can't provide you with a home when you don't have anywhere to live. When we step out, that's when you get to see what he can do. And then you're like, wow, why have we not, why was I such a control freak? Why have we not done this before? Do you know mm. what I mean? It's, it's how we're meant to live as Christians. We're not meant to live like the world lives. We're meant to look different. We're meant to shine. You know, I remember a lady at our altar, fabulous lady called Donna, who's at um, St. Saviour's in Sunbury. She's the social transformation pastor there now. She was the food bank manager. And she said to me that in her like, past, she'd met some people dabbling with darkness. And they said to her that they cross the road when they see Christians coming. They can see them coming towards her. And she was like, how? How do you see them? She said they carry a light and it's too bright for us. So she was saying these people cross the road to avoid the light. That blows my mind. We are meant to live like that. That's if we're carrying Jesus, we are being striving to be more like him, which is hard. I was just reflecting this morning that my life was so much easier when I didn't know Jesus. I could just do what I wanted. I didn't have like, I had a conscience. I wasn't a mean person or anything like that, but I meant, well, I could be. But I was like, life was just a little bit simpler, you yeah. know, and, and everything the enemy is doing to Christians is to try and knock you off the path, consume you with fear and try and make you feel like you can't carry on. It's just not worth it. And every part of my soul over the last, I'm not going to lie, the last few weeks has wanted to give up on some day. And I can't because I get out my Bible every morning. I'm getting tearful telling you this. I get out my Bible and I read it and I know what the truth is. And so I absolutely believe the reason you asked me to come on here is for all the people like me who are listening those that don't know Jesus yet or those that know him now and are tired tired of the fear narrative that we're just being spun in every direction we look and half of it's lies so you don't know who to believe and there is Jesus sat right in the middle going come to me all who are weary I will be your hope I will help you so it's not an option for me to give up I can't give up I have to keep going. And that is why we have so many things thrown at our head because we're not going to give up. I will not give up because my kids need to see that we don't give up. Our congregations that we've led need to see we don't give up. The people who are watching us who don't know Jesus yet wondering, are they going to cave? Don't give up. So that they too can see the miracles and know that Jesus is calling them. This isn't just for me, it's for you and everyone who's who may be listening, that one person who's listening. What would you say to 
just to sort of Christians who may be listening, who think, I don't know, you know, who's never heard God speak to them or think you're a bit crazy for going, you know, to Malibu or coming back or, or that you're another level of Christian, you know, like you're sort of chosen as a very gifted, do you see what I'm trying to say that? I'm trying to figure out how to work. Oh, I do know what you, no, I do know what you mean. You mean like, oh, well, that's for you because you're married to a pastor or, you know, you were a speaker or whatever. I was not, I was a girl with a BTEC from London with a big mouth who did loads of stupid things, who had a, was paid way too much money, way too early. And what God has been teaching me over the last two years is that I was raised up on my giftings. When I came into faith, I had lots of giftings and I was kind of woo on fire, but I didn't have the character to deal with that. So what he spent the last two years doing is honing my character. So the reason I am the way I am is because I've spent so much time with Jesus. So I would say, if you want to learn to hear Jesus's voice, I would ask the question, how long do you spend learning what it sounds like? How long do you spend in his presence? How long do you spend reading your Bible? Do you read it every single day? Is it the first thing you do or the last thing you do? It doesn't matter when you do it. Because how I learned to hear his voice is you have to learn what his voice says. Jesus doesn't say, you know, lies. He doesn't lie to you. He doesn't condemn you. He doesn't tell you you're not good enough. He doesn't tell you you're because you are what your past is. You are, he doesn't tell you, like you, Luce, you're a beautiful example of, you have not believed the physical realities of your body. You have said, I am a child of God. I will keep going until you say otherwise. You are an example of that. That's your choice as a person. As a person, if you know Jesus and you're saying, this isn't for me, I'm just normal. I'm as normal as it gets. I am like, except I'm not normal. I'm completely abnormal. I, I mean, I used to think it was a bad thing. But I'm learning with Jesus. No, he made me that way. He made me with a very outspoken voice. But he's grown a deep compassion in my heart over the last two years for people with like, I just lost people who have chronic illness and people who are struggling and stopping, but you have to get involved in what Jesus wants to do in your life. If you think you can't hear Jesus's voice, it is for everybody, but we have to make a choice to go. I am going to open that door, receive Jesus, and then work every day of my life on my relationship with him so that when he speaks, I know what it is. So before, if someone came to me and said, oh, bro, you're, you're such an idiot. You just, you know, you, you talk too much. You, blah, blah, blah. I would just absorb that as truth. Mm. Now I know Jesus has given me a different voice. Jesus says in the Bible, God says in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, the words are full of truth and love. And they just keep speaking truth and love. The gift he wants us all to have is the gift of prophecy. That's the one he says that uplifts and edifies the church. Well, that's listening to God's voice and passing it on to people so that they feel encouraged and move forward in their journey with Jesus. That's the gift he's given me. And I've just spent a few years learning what it means. 
It's like anything. You wouldn't become a doctor and not train. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got to put in the time to train on the job while you're serving him. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, that does make sense. And of course, it doesn't necessarily mean um, like people all have to become vicars or pastors. There's loads of other ways that that people can. Goodness, no. I'd be the world's worst vicar. Honestly, literally don't have the patience. Would just be terrible at it. And that's what I used to teach with Esther Ministry because I felt like people thought that there was a hierarchy of gifts. Imagine like that top trumps game. I used to play with my kids at a dinosaur one, you know, and the the T-Rex was like the one that got you the most points. And it's like, that isn't, I mean, you need to be called to be a vicar or a pastor, otherwise it will kill you off. It is the hardest job in the world, which is why God ordains people and gives them grace to be able to do that for a time such as this. But anyone who's not called to that, it's not like you've been given plan B or a second tier. You know, God gives us all a gift because we are the body of Christ. So imagine, imagine a vicar is the mouthpiece, for instance, because everybody wants to be the mouthpiece. People want to preach. They always want to preach. And then when you actually do it, you realize how hard it is and the weight that falls on your shoulder. That's certainly what I've discovered. But you imagine like small parts of your body. So one of the smallest parts would be a blood cell. So is a blood cell in, you, I mean, you try breathing without a blood cell. You know, that the blood cells that carry your DNA, that carry who you, you know, how you were made. They carry oxygen around your body because the body of Christ, your little toe gets cut off. You try, you have to learn to walk again without that little toe because that little toe is more important than you think it is. We are the body of Christ and he's given us all different gifts. People, when I did Esther ministry, if they got administration, I'd see their face sink. And I, so I always asked, hands up who got administration? And these hands would kind of go slowly up and I'd say, administration is a leadership gift. If you want to know who you're following in the steps of, read all about Joseph. Look what Pharaoh did with Joseph. He, he, the whole nation was saved because of Joseph's leadership gift of administration. So that's what I was trying to say, that everybody's gift is different. That's all. It, there's not one more important than others. It's just different. So you got on the plane to, from Malibu back to the UK. Oh, well, we didn't because... Just typically the enemy likes to throw a few. So we, we went to get on the plane and they rejected our dog. Someone had given my, my son a dog as a gift. Um, and I was terrified. Of, that's a whole story of like, I was terrified of dogs. I'd always said to my kids, you're never going to have a dog in the house. You have to choose between having a dog and having a mum because I won't be in the house if there's a dog in there. And someone bought, friends of ours bought this dog for Woody because he was missing his sister. Literally... <sighs> This dog he is a miss- Holy Spirit dog. He, he was, was no missing my son his sister. Was, my son was missing his sister. Dog. So they gave him a dog. And literally to kind of this dog is like a Holy Spirit dog. He I was sat in front of him one day and I just said, I just looked at him and I was, his name's Bear, and it's the cutest little thing. It's just a miniature schnauzer, so he doesn't shed hair. He's 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 all tight, small, so that helped. And I just said, Bear, I cannot believe how much I love you. 
I've gone from being afraid of dogs to this deep love. And God just said to me in that moment, yeah, that's how I feel about you. And for the first time in my adult life, aged 50, I finally understood God's love for me. And he used a dog. That's, he will rinse and use every part of your life if you let him. So we got on the plane, except we didn't. They told us the dog, the vet had made a mistake and there was something. So basically they're like, you're not going anywhere for a few days. And we were like, well, that's what you think. So we're like, don't know what to do. So we went, rang our friends, said, we've got nowhere to stay. They went, go to our house. So we stayed at their house overnight, got up the next morning, had to see the vet that night. I went to this place, this government place. You don't understand about this, actually. So if you're importing or exporting an animal, they have to get, the government has to sign off this animal as not having diseases. So, they, so the American government sign off this dog saying this dog does not have rabies and he's had all his jabs and everything. Well, they were like, this government thing, they're not going to help you. You have, there's a protocol. We arrived, we're in a queue and, and we've been told that they're very kind of straight down the line. There's not that much kindness in there. Well, I beg to differ because we were in the line and literally as soon as we got this woman who was just ticking people off, she wasn't even looking up. She looked up at us and said, how could I help you? And I told her why we were there. She went, this is awful. We will do everything we can to help you. Three hours later, a man came running out. They helped us through the process and he gave us the thing that meant we could fly home that night. It was a total miracle. So we flew home a day late but not a week late, because if we'd been one more day late, all our COVID tests would have been invalid. His worming thing wouldn't have been, mm. it would just, but what man said was they won't help you. And God said, they're my people. Yes, they will. And they did. And they were kind to us and they helped us. So then you boarded the plane, got, yeah. got to England. And yes. COVID. Yeah, so we, we, we've been there the whole time thinking none of us had got COVID. And um, yeah, we, we're, st we're staying in someone's house who has just let us stay in their house. It's their parents' holiday home. So it was a miracle provision of somewhere to stay temporarily. And we've been here, yeah. Well, you've missed out a bit because you know God said go to Georgetown. Yeah. So we went, we're just outside Georgetown because it's actually all the prices have gone up really expensive there that's where we found our faith when we had the village shop the building we drove past and got yeah. unbeknown to us because we didn't know who he was then so you got to buy that building that was where we found our faith so we're just outside there but we're going to the church in georgetown where we found our faith week three the vicar stood up and said he was leaving and we just looked at each other and everyone kind of slightly turned around and looked at us and we're like oh maybe we're meant to just love this community through the gap because there's always a gap so we're just waiting to see if that is what God wants us to do right now but yes just after that week three I think yeah we all got COVID and do you think that was like from the flight or was it not no no, no I, I who knows I suspect it was because um my son went into year 11 and so I suspect it came from the school. They suddenly had a big, you oh, know. Yeah. So but I was the least ill. 
So I've spent a year and a half with people telling me, you get COVID, you're going to die, you know, and I had so much fear. I didn't realise until that moment how deep that fear was. And when I got it, I was the, I was the one looking after my family. I, I was the one who was least ill. That's the miracle. But your house had a lot of um, miracles, hasn't it, in terms of improving? Is in, like, in, in miracles, would you say? Yes, I would absolutely say because my doctor rang me before we left. They told me I couldn't fly. That was a bit of a difficulty when you're trying to get from the US to the UK. There's not really any other way to go. And they said I was so ill that I couldn't and my blood tests. So I have one of my conditions is a thyroid condition I've had for quite a long time, but it had gone off the charts and they didn't know why. So our thyroid's supposed to sit between 0.4 and 0.8, I think it is. And mine was at 128. Oof. That's like the off, the literally off their chart. And my doctor rang me, who's been treating me for a year, lovely lady, and she had tears in her eyes and she said, I don't know what to do. I'm at the end of being able to help you. She's not a Christian. I've told her all about Jesus. We've had lots of discussions about that. She, she went way above and beyond this beautiful woman. And she said to me, I don't know what to do. And she cried and I cried. And I said, well, don't worry, because that's where Jesus lives. When we get to the end of what we are capable of doing, Jesus has stood there going, well, I've been here all along. And I, something in me, she said to me, that was the bit I forgot. She said, you need to go to a prayer meeting for healing. That's what she said. My non-Christian doctor said, that's what you need to do. And something in me kind of went, you know, I was like, I'm not having this. The enemy had shown his hand too much. That was it. I was done. So I put it on Facebook. And I, I, I feel very uncomfortable doing stuff like that, but I was like, I need prayer and this is why, and this is what it is. Hundreds of people started to pray and they were commenting and sending me messages, sending it to their prayer groups. So all around the world, hundreds of Christians who half of them didn't even know me started to pray. Within 10 days, it, my 128 had dropped to, um, I think it went down to, about 80 something then with another 10 days it dropped to about 50 to the point where my heart went back into normal and they both my doctors this lovely doctor who's my endocrinologist and my heart doctor said I have no idea what just happened your heart is back in normal and I said you know what I'm gonna say whereas my endocrinologist who knows that it is physically impossible for your thyroid to return to normal not in, it takes three months usually for that to happen. She knew it was Jesus. She had told me, go and get prayer. So I sat before her, told her my testimony, gave her a Bible. We just had this beautiful moment. And I said to her, and I meant every word of it in the time that I said it. If I have to go through all of this all again, so that you get to know how deeply loved you are by Jesus. I will do it all over again because that is how precious you are. You are so loved. He has done this to show you that at the end of what you think medicine can do, he is above that. I don't know why he heals some and not others in this life, but when you're a Christian, you're always healed. If you live, you're healed and you win. If you die, you're healed and you win. There is no losing. Death has lost its sting. 
I made my peace with the fact that last year May was maybe was my time to die. I literally sat before God and went, if this is my time, I don't want it to be my time, but if it is, I'm coming to be with you. I made my peace with it. That's when he started to fight back. He's like, no, this is not your time. And so I fought on. But because of the prayers of hundreds of Christians who took the time, I am, I am in awe of people who take the time, including you and your mum, who took the time to pray and intercede for me when I had nothing. I got to come home to see my daughter to fight back. And my last test, they did a test when I landed. My thyroid was at 16. It hasn't been at 16. Like she was upset, the doctor. I said, that is the lowest it's been in two years. I said, this is great news. I was excited. She didn't know why I was excited. Like, because it was. I said, here's my other results. She went, oh, I can see why you're excited. (laughs) So, yeah. And and I'm not, am I completely healed? No. That's much better you saw me when I was like that it was I was different I could feel the light it's like he's breathing life back into me yeah and I'll just keep going until I'm told otherwise do you think that when you were talking about like the enemy strike and making it difficult for you to get back do you think that he it whatever it whatever yeah strikes you harder because you're you know speaking out for the Lord a lot and you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I suspect somebody very wise said to me years ago, if you're not getting poked by the enemy, you're not doing enough for Jesus. My answer would, I would always refer, refer you back to the Bible because in there, every single person, you only have to read Paul's letters, but every single person who stepped out for Jesus came up against hardship, went through the fire. Sometimes God uses these times to hone us. I don't need to know the answer as to who made me ill, but all the glory for me he, being healed, I'm in the healing, goes to God, all the glory. I don't need to know why I got ill in the first place. Why am I, you know, I think that people who have a chronic illness where I think we allow doctors to speak words over us. My daughter has just come out of hospital. It was really awful for her. And they were things they were trying to frighten her to death with as she's getting better. Wow, if you don't do this, this might happen. If you don't do this, this might happen. And I'm like, yeah. And if I, what is it, Gino DeCampo said, yeah, and if my grandma had wheels, she'd be a whatever it was. It's like, yeah. It, 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 they, it's like doctors push their thousands of scenarios because they've seen everything being a doctor you must be filled with fear on a daily basis of of everything you've seen in front of you but Mm. Jesus is bigger than that and if we are feeling afraid and our fear stops us doing something that's not of God you know that's not of him yeah so you reunited obviously with your daughter and sort of you're all back in England and you said still sort of praying about where to go in terms of that that church um something you said last year that I wanted to sort of follow up on was um when we were talking about COVID and you were saying how we were sort of talking weren't we about 
you know, people questioning where it came from, if it was from the devil, if it was from God, all that kind of thing. And something that struck me was that you said that, you know, it it kind of misses out young people, you know, in a way, like the majority of young people aren't like affected, you know, they, they're all right. And so I was just wondering what you, if you still think that's the case and if you had any more thoughts on, on that. I, look, I have thought long and hard about COVID. I haven't watched the news for a year, nearly a year, because I can't listen to it anymore. It's not news anymore. It's fear mongering. And I don't see how scaring people to death is going to produce anything positive. I think all it does is, I mean, fear is at the heart of control. You know, when people, I used to be a control freak. The reason I was a control freak is because I had, I was fear. I was fearful of what would happen if I let go of control. What I noticed about it in the beginning is that it didn't touch children. It was like, and if you look now, children are still, it's a very mild thing for them. I'm not going to speak in to COVID because I'm not an expert and it's just a way of getting, you know, slammed down, shouted at. What I will speak into is that the way I've seen this disease operate in me and my family is that doesn't seem like it's a disease of God. It seems fully demonic to me. However, God is quite clear in the Bible. The flip side of that is God is quite clear in the Bible. If we are not listening, we are moving further and further away from him, which we are. And that includes the church. Then he has sent plagues before. I don't know which one it is because I'm not him. Yeah. I don't actually need to know i think sometimes the enemy distracts us with a need to know so we spend our whole time trying to find the answer to something that actually we don't need to know the answer to what we need to know is are we doing what he asked us to do in the bible are we looking at it speaking life over people are we preaching the gospel are we making disciples are we shining light wherever we go are we being salt and light in these conversations and I have to say, not all the time Christians are. They're not. They're joining in the fear and the narrative. And are you an anti-vaxxer or a vaxxer? Are you, you know, that's just division. Anything that's division is generally of the enemy. You know, God is trying to, I do believe we're in a season of being where he's trying to separate, you know, the, the sheep and the goats. But it's our decision which one we are. Do we want to be one of his sheep or do we want to be on the outside and be one of his goats? And I don't, I, I know where I want to be. I want to be in the will of God. And the only way for me to stay there is to revere his voice above all others. Because his voice doesn't make me feel fearful. His voice makes me feel like I need to do more. His voice makes me feel like, oh, man, he hasn't even started on me yet. There's so much more I need to do. There's so much more work in me that needs to happen. You know, his voice makes me feel loved and not judged. His voice makes me want to share that love with you. Mm. The voices around that don't. The voices around that want to divide us by our differences of opinion. The voices around that want to tell us that because we have different beliefs that we can't love one another, you know? And that is the difference between God's voice and the enemy's voice. So I don't want to waste any more of my life listening to a worldview that changes every five seconds and 
is very feelings driven. I want to listen to God's voice because amongst all of this pain and heartache, it's the only voice you can trust. And the only way to him is via Jesus. So that is my job is to share that. Like no one shared it with me. My job is to go share that with others. I do think when I see stuff um, like obviously COVID and then you see sort of the wildfires, the tornadoes, every, everything, you know, things that seem to sort of have stepped up in terms of natural disasters and things. And I, I, I often wonder like, oh, you know how they say like all this stuff happens and then like the second coming will happen and like Jesus will be here again. And I often wonder like, oh, it'd be nice if it happened in our lifetimes. And, you know, like, is it getting closer? There's another disaster. Oh, what's it going to be? But um, it would be, it'd be interesting that. I know. And I totally, that means you're living from a heavenly perspective. That's what we're called to do. If you're focused on, you know, your eternal life, it makes you, it changes what you do in this life. You know, there are natural disasters that some are explainable, some aren't. But we have messed with the planet as humans. You know, God gave us free will. He gave us free will to make decisions and make choices. The problem is a huge majority of decisions are being made with no biblical content in them at all. So if you are unaware of what God is saying, because no Christian has ever introduced you to Jesus, then of course our world's just going to implode because it's basically being left to us to make the decisions. And I don't know about you, but when I think about my haircut I had in the 80s, I think, what was I thinking of? And then I think of stuff that came out my mouth. You're like, we grow and we learn. But what never changes is the truth of God's word. It is, it is as relevant now as it was then. And that's what I think he's calling us back to a season of holiness, mm. a season of true holiness, which will look beautiful. It will look beautiful. And you will see a lot of this stuff fade away. What is it? The, and the, that, oh, is that beautiful line out of a song and the things of the world become strangely dim in the light of his love and his grace. That's what we're hoping for. I have to ask about the book you've written. Um, Yay! <laughs> so tell me, tell me what it's called and tell me sort of what it, what's about, when it's out, all that kind of thing. So, as you will remember, the last thing I used to say at Esther Ministry was I used to go, right, this is the wisdom, it's coming, I want you to write this down, everyone will be expectantly waiting, and this is what I used to say. I want you to be bold, stop thing about and crack on for Jesus because that was my thought so that's what the book's called it's called be bold stop faffing about because we are massive faffers it's such a good word it's such a British word stop faffing about and crack on for Jesus that's what the book is about it's it's what I used to teach in Esther ministry so the gifting exercise is in there it's a spiritual giftings exercise I think you did the old one that I used to use Mm. So this is a spiritual giftings exercise. It's full of, it's got my testimony in it. It's got stories of my epic fails. And then there's a part of this chunk of this book, which is a love letter to the lukewarm church. 
Because in Revelation, it says lukewarmity is what's going to kill us off. Who likes a tepid bath or a lukewarm bath? Nobody. There's a whole chapter called Halloween and yoga. That's a controversial chapter, I appreciate. But it's about the things that we do, the little things we do in life that take us further away from the will of God. And Halloween and yoga are two of those things. You know, so it's like, it's stuff like that in what way is is yoga i i can get halloween um do you want to go yoga is a so yoga is a spiritual discipline for the hindu faith so if you are a hindu it is a part of your faith it's a spiritual discipline but if you are worshiping another god in that moment why would you do that it's Mm. it's it we it's quite clear that we're not meant to do that and the disaster that will before us as in it's going to be it you know I think there's this thing that the biggest revelation to me when I read the bible was the perception I had of the bible before I became a Christian was that it's hard to read it's boring it's a list of rules my life is over you know it was all this stuff that the world had told me because that's all I had when I read it I started to go it's just not what it was it was like water to my soul. It was like my soul's manual that I'd always been looking for and didn't know where to find it. Instead, it's not telling me what I shouldn't do. It's pouring into me love that I can then leak onto other people. So yoga is one of those things that you can't just stick the word Christian in front of it and call it, and that makes it, you know, okay. Yoga is okay for a Hindu faith. We need to do the spiritual disciplines of the Christian faith. That is not one of them. So that's one of the things I was talking about in the book. And when is when is it out? So with a lot of prayer, it should be out end of uh, end of January, February time. Yeah, that's, I have a publisher. That was a mind-blowing, that's a story in itself in that how I got a publishing deal was the lady who owns this publishing company, I sent her the manuscript and she said, I know this voice. I know this voice. She asked for it and she like loved it. And 10 days before I left for America, God had made me go and do a talk at Tear Fund. I'd obviously been called in last minute, but a girl rang me from Tear Fund and said, it has to be you doing the talk this week. I don't know why, but God's told me it has to be you. So I just went, okay, no idea what I was doing. Brought this kind of quite controversial word to Tear Fund. There's a theme. As always, if I'm called in, that's generally what happens. And all the directors were there from all around the world. And she was one of them. And she was there and she heard my voice. And she remembered it two years later when I sent her a book. It was amazing. How he's how far he goes ahead like your talk you did on Sunday and how far ahead he'd gone with you (laughs) teaching you like what you needed for last Sunday that just blows my mind that he's interested in the detail of our life how loving is that such a loving father like a loving father would be yeah you'll have to um do a book tour yes that's what your mum was trying to help me with. I, I so want to do, 
a book tour so I can go and speak the word that God's placed in my heart that was you know I, I, I'm like I, I feel a bit cringe because you have to write to people and go this is my book that I'm not interested in that that makes me feel very uncomfortable but to be able to speak the word and th the privilege of Esther ministry was I used to watch literally watch from where I was preaching watch chains being broken off people and people coming to life in Jesus that was just like the best thing ever are there any plans to kind of do Esther ministry back in the UK now you're back in the UK or is that kind yeah. of yeah I think the word in this book will be that because in the book is the gifting exercise. I'm sure actually people might say, will you come and do this again? I think it might be a slightly different one with, because I've been on such a journey of learning that it never stayed the same whenever I did it. You, the one you did would have been different for the people who did it, you know, a month later. Everything I learned, I was pouring in as I was going. I was kind of learning on the job yeah well shall we close the um the episode with a prayer from you okay <laughs> yes father god i just i thank you for lucy and her gifts and how you're working in her life and i pray for those people who are listening it doesn't matter if it's one person listening 100 people a thousand people but I pray for the people that you know were meant to hear this particular episode. And I pray that they will know that this was for them. That deep down in their soul, if they're having like a reaction now, maybe they're feeling tearful or got goose pimples. I just pray that your Holy Spirit will go into each and every home and just, just touch that person now with your love and your healing power. And I pray that you will send your people to love and care for each and every person listening to this podcast who wants to give their life to Jesus, has heard this and says, I want that. that's what I've been searching for. I pray that Lucy will be able to guide them, that you will send people to them so they can give their life to Jesus and change the rest of their life moving forward. And I pray that each and every person who listens, who hears this over Christmas, knows that Jesus died. And if they were the only person in the planet, he would have died for them too, because that is how precious they are. Oh, Lord, let your light shine brightly before men this Christmas. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for that, Rowena. And hopefully, maybe next year, we could do it in person. We'll have to see... Yeah. We'll have to see what the next year brings for both of us. But thanks for coming on again. And can I just say, if anyone wants to give their life to Jesus, just find me on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Just find me. I will willingly FaceTime or just pray with you or send you the prayer, whatever it is you need. If you're sensing that's what you want to do now, don't ignore that. Follow it. You'll never regret it, no matter how hard it gets. Jesus loves you. That's my, that's my gift to you today. It's the only gift I have to give you. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.